Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. On this episode of ASHTO Resource Q&A, we have another Taken from TechX episode. This one is on developing a world-class training program. This is recorded March 16th, 2021, and Sarah Holsinger, our office manager at ASHTO Resource, is the moderator and the first person you'll hear speaking after this. And the presenters were Maria Kanaki and Ben Said. Thank you, Ben and Maria. We are getting some really great questions today. Maria, I'm going to start with you. Any recommendations on motivating older, experienced laboratory personnel to improve their focus and interest in new training and reoccurrent training? Some personnel assume since they've been doing tests for so long, they know everything but need training or don't take it seriously. Oh, yeah, that is a really good question. And it can be very difficult to motivate certain learners, especially ones that are towards the end of their career and maybe close to retirement and aren't trying to you know, climb the ladder or, or anything like that anymore. It's definitely a challenge. But remember that most people want to do their job well. So keep focused on that and remember that adults need to know why. So make sure you're explaining to them why they need to know it and what the impact is if they don't learn the new thing that you need to learn. Not repercussions necessarily that on their job, but just repercussions on the business in general, because they're probably very invested in a place that they've worked a long time. And even if they're acting like, I'm so close to retirement, I don't want to be here anymore, they probably really do care uh, and want to see the organization do well. So focus on that why. Why is, the, is definitely the key, especially with somebody who's uh, very experienced in their field. Great. And Ben, can you describe different considerations you make for technical training versus something you might be considered to be a soft skill training? Between soft skills and technical training, uh, I think a consideration uh, that I would make is demonstrations and uh, having a hands-on component if you can, you know, anything where, you, where you're gonna go through a process that you actually have people practice and go through a sample or something of that nature. Hands-on is great if you're doing technical training. All right, and we've got another good question for you, Maria. What do you do to make training fun? And have you found ways to incorporate technology? Ooh, I love this. So it's a two-parter. The first part, what do I do to make training fun? Anybody who works with me knows that I create all sorts of fun games to try to make training engaging for people. I even done thing like brought in a giant inflatable beach ball and gave everyone a Sharpie and people had to write down different ideas they had on the beach ball as they passed it around. You can do things like a play uh, where you actually set up a scenario with different characters that are maybe just a, a, little, uh, a little too out there uh, and uh, kind of extreme caricatures of something you might see and it kind of really kind of bring out the goofy side of people. And if people are having fun there, they're more likely to remember the training. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's important for training to be fun. Uh, and then how have we incorporated technology? Ben, I'm gonna hand that over to you because as our training manager, you've had to deal with that in so many ways. And 
I have some, some thoughts too, but since you have direct experience with that, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Yeah. Re recently, um, because I was, I've been training a lot re remotely, uh, I, I, I focused on making sure the like, audio and video quality was sufficient that, you know, we kept everybody engaged with, you know, seamless video and audio quality. People are much more likely to pay attention than if something's kind of choppy. Other technology that you, you can use, uh, there's LMSs or learning management systems. Astra actually has one called TC3. And some of the resources that come through that are, are highly interactive. You don't just go through a training and, and watch videos. You know, you have to actually click and answer questions along the way. And there's a lot of those out there uh, available. So, uh, you know, one of the things we had to do when we very quickly pivoted to remote assessments is once we developed this protocol, we had to train all of our staff and we could not all be together to do that. So we used Zoom and we were able to create a lot of interactivity using Zoom. There's breakout rooms that are excellent for features that you can use there. Uh, Zoom also has an annotate feature and pretty much all of the, the major web meeting platforms that are out there have something like that. I know Teams has it too. It's great for drawing out quieter participants. Instead of having everybody just answer the question, you can type it into chat or have them use a pointer using annotate to star which the item is most important to them. And there's a lot of great ways to create activity. Uh, one of the things that we did recently in a training session is we actually uh, did a reverse training session where we asked the trainees to learn a certain portion of a subject and then come back and train us uh, where we're kind of like, okay, you go become the expert. And uh, that can be a really powerful training tool as well. People enjoy learning from their peers and then they become the expert because they have to. Anytime you have to explain something to somebody else, all of a sudden you're going to learn it really quickly. <laughs> you're motivated to learn it. Very good. Um, and Ben, what has Resource done in the last few years to upgrade the training program? Um, did we do anything that has increased the effectiveness of the training programs? I think so, absolutely. Um, I talked about program maintenance in, in the presentation. And one, one of the things I, I looked at was, uh, you know, modernizing uh, teaching some specific test methods to teaching some more specific concepts. So instead of focusing so much on specific gravity testing, individual tests you know i talked a lot about the concept of specific gravity and, and how that's useful not just in materials science but outside of that as well so you know focusing on on concepts well, was something i something i did there and maria have there been any ways or programs linking job aids to the quality manual where if one is updated the other one is updated oh that is a document control issue Document control issues, I think, are pretty universal. They happen everywhere. Um, there's lots of different things you can use to manage that. It's important to make sure that whatever documents you have, that they are available only from one source. The problem with the lovely digital world we live in, as great as it is, is that people can download things and then save them on their desktop. So just reminding people regularly to not do that and make sure that they're always accessing the most current version. But if it's a job aid, it should be something that's posted. So maybe it should be part of your quality system process that every time a job aid is updated that uh, it, you know, wherever it's posted or if it's in like a handbook that you've got technicians are out in the field where they use that an updated copy is delivered to them. 
as part of their process. And then a big part of it is communication. So um, we have a change management process at Astro Resource. And I know change management is one of the subjects that we're going to talk about later this week. And I'm excited for that presentation. But we try to make big updates only quarterly so that everybody knows when they're coming out. And so we can kind of control those rather than just making an update here one day and an update there the next day, which can be really confusing and overwhelming and people, you know, their time is limited to pay attention to that type of stuff. So if you can keep it brief and here's the important things you need to know about this quarter, then it can be really valuable. I can, I can add you. to that. So for example, if we're gonna add some training or say for example, some new test methods in our case that we're gonna credit for, or for a lab's example, you know, if they're gonna start offering testing services for something, uh, we'll release training you know, a month before that we're gonna start offering that service so that people have you know, an, an adequate amount of time and then we can get to that change management process to actually flip the switch and start offering that. So giving the appropriate time for, for training as well uh, will, will help greatly with that. Thank you. How do we deliver constructive feedback to trainers so that it is effective? So delivering feedback, especially if it's negative, is always extremely difficult. And um, there's a few things that you can do. First of all, if it's a situation where you know that a trainer is not doing particularly well, and you may find that maybe they're just not very confident. And if you give them a chance to, to tell you that up front that they don't feel it's going well, then it's, it's not negative feedback anymore. Now it's a conversation and you're on the same team and you're helping each other improve. If you do have to deliver negative feedback anytime you do it, whether it's a trainer or an employee or anytime you do it, it's really important to remind them that the reason you're giving them the feedback is because you care about them and you want them to succeed and you want to see them do well in that position. So again, if you can avoid uh, you know, accusatory language, don't say you did this, instead say, I observed this and here's the impact it had, then you'll, you'll be a lot more effective with them. and, and uh, that, that's my feedback. Ben, you've done a lot of training. You've given feedback to trainers and trainees. What, what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, so I mean, I, I always approach it from, from kind of a positive uh, position. You know, I, I, I collect the feedback from everyone that's, that's taken that training. And, you know, and then I, I let the uh, trainer know that, hey, I'm going to meet with you at some point so we can look over all the comments about this. And, you know, we'll go through it and we'll address everything we can. And, you know, it's really about continual improvement and just making that training a little bit better. This was probably really good to start out with. And, you know, you can take those comments and just keep adding to it. And even if it needs a lot of work, you know, you, you can start, you have somewhere you can start and you can use those, that feedback and start building up that training a little bit better. Very good. And uh, Ben, how do you jumpstart training in an organization that doesn't seem to understand or value the role of training in quality systems? I think that that's a great question. And back to when I was talking about looking at whether or not your training meets your business goals, I think you, you really need to sell that training program in that sense. It sounds like that that would be the best route to go to look at, you know, if, if we did this training, how that would impact your business. So I, I would recommend that that way. I definitely agree with what Ben just said completely. You have to tie training to business goals. If you are sitting there developing training that's going to improve customer service, but the leadership of the organization is really worried about sales, well, then you're wasting your time. You don't have buy-in. 
Um, so make sure that you're talking to your leadership about what the problems are in the organization and what are you trying to solve by doing the training. And that way you can ensure that you're, you're being very effective. Ben mentioned Kirkpatrick's levels of evaluation. Uh, there's four of them. Some people think that there's a, a fifth. Anybody know what that is? It is ROI. It's return on investment. It's really hard to do to actually tie. There's so many intangibles related to the benefits of training, right? It, you know, we've got happier employees and how do you, how do you really measure that, right? Because that's an intangible, but it can be done. And it might be something to look into if you're really having a hard time selling the value of training to your organization is what's the ROI on this? What's, what's the bottom line? Talk dollars and cents, and maybe your leadership will understand that as well. I've got additional resources for people on that. If you, if you reach out to me privately, I can share with you some information on trying to tie training to ROI. All right. And Ben, how do you balance the idea of teaching a concept with the requirement of R18, where the full extent of each test method needs to be observed and performed as written? We have to start somewhere. And I, I think, you know, you want to make sure that people understand why why they're doing something before, before they're actually getting into the specifics, like line by line of, of standards, you know, why they're producing those numbers and what is a normal looking, um, you know, result and just the why. And then, then you can get in, into the specifics. So, I think that they're both they're both important, but making sure that somebody understands why they're doing something uh, will help them. You know, even maybe find something that's when something's not consistent, they'll be able to more accurately uh, report on that as well. Okay, and Maria, I think we have time for one more question. Are there any resources available for pre-written exams for any or all of the standards? Uh, I don't think there is a resource for all of them. I do think that Ashto Resource does have some examples. If you contact me separately, I will try to, to get the ones that we do have to you uh, that are available for use. I think there are a few. But, uh, but unfortunately, no, there's not, not a lot of good resources out there for pre-written questions. Ben, do you know of any? I do not. Sorry, that Maybe. one, <laughs> not a great answer on that one. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, enjoy the break and we will see you all at the next session. And that was the Q&A session for developing a world-class training program. Again, the moderator was Sarah Holsinger and the people answering the questions were Maria Kanaki and Ben Said. We hope that you enjoyed this look in at the technical exchange Q&A and that you're curious about what the next one might be like. How can somebody find out more about that, Kim? Well, you can go to our website, ashtoresource.org slash events to learn more information about all upcoming events and specifically the Ashto Resource Technical Exchange. The 2022 event is currently scheduled for March 28th through the 31st. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.